Welcome, Mormon Discussion Podcast listeners. We've got a new treat for you. We are in the midst of creating a new podcast completely disconnected from Mormonism called The Mythical Jesus, Taking the Christ of Faith Seriously. In this podcast, I will be the host of it. What we're going to do is we're going to attempt to go through uh, biblical scholarship as well as specifically the New Testament and working with the stories of Jesus, the teachings and ideas surrounding his personality, his character, and the things he says and doesn't say. And we're going to use Jesus as the preeminent example of how to work through faith development, uh, cognitive growth, uh, how to better understand, again, the scholarship of the New Testament, and so that we place Jesus in a more accurate uh, framing within our minds. But the most important thing about this podcast is I think the episodes will be relatively short and sweet, but if you are one that's on a faith journey, you you understand faith development, I think you're deeply going to appreciate this podcast uh, as it will be one that just dives into different understandings of the scriptures within the New Testament and, uh, and I think you're going to see that this is a lot of really new ground that we're going to be breaking uh, with the podcast. So again, this is episode one. This will become its own website as well as its own audio feed. Uh, the hope here is that uh, through this podcast, we can begin to capture a very, a very different demographic of audience. I expect within a few years that this podcast will be largely listened to uh, by by members of Christianity generally, and not necessarily Mormons specifically. Uh, but again, episode one, the mythical Jesus taking the Christ of faith seriously. And now, on to what you've been waiting to hear. You are listening to the Mythical Jesus podcast, taking the Christ of faith seriously. I'm your host, Bill Real. This podcast dives into faith development, cognitive development, biblical scholarship, and does so using the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Hold on to your seats. This is going to be a fun ride. These episodes will be short, but they are going to dive into the Jesus story in ways that you have never done before. So thank you for joining us. You are listening to the Mythical Jesus podcast, Taking the Christ of Faith Seriously. Come thou fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious Here in episode one, we want to jump right into the book of Mark. And it's important that the listener understand that, that, again, we'll touch on pieces of scholarship along the way. We don't really know who the first four Gospels are written by. We attribute the names Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the best biblical scholarship. And we will often refer to the best biblical scholarship. I'm open to the idea that there are other opinions and perspectives, and it doesn't necessarily mean just because something is the most popular 
perspective among scholars that it's the correct perspective, but it's the one that we're going to usually fall to here. And if we do make an exception, we'll mention that. But in the book of Mark, Mark itself is written, um, again, believed by most biblical scholars to be written significantly after the resurrection of Jesus, significantly after his life. And But Mark is also the earliest of the four gospels written, which is why we're going to tackle it first. In Mark, chapter 1, and we're using the uh, New uh, Living Translation. I, I understand there's a multitude of translations out there, and, and I don't want to get into a debate of which one's the best or the worst. This is just the one I'm using. Uh, I like the fact that it uses contemporary language. I grew up most of my life with the King James Version, uh, but I find that the New Living Translation is, is more applicable for as we have these contemporary conversations over something like the King James. In verse 1, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began, just as the prophet Isaiah had written, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. The, the Mark opens up with this idea that there's going to be this messenger. He's going to come before Jesus, and that messenger, of course, is John the Baptist. Mark chapter 1 verse 3 is where we want to spend a little bit of time focusing. John the Baptist comes along, it says, and here's what the scripture tells us. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. The scripture here gives us three things. One is that we're being asked to prepare the way. The other thing we're being asked to do is to hear the voice And the third thing we're being asked to do is to clear the road. So first we have to prepare the way. And to prepare the way, we've got to understand something. Um, All of us, when we're born, we start off in this place that's called egocentricity. And inside egocentricity, all we care about is survival. Like, I don't care whether I annoy my mom or my dad. I just know that I've got some mess in my diaper. I need fed and I'm not comfortable. And so we scream and we yell until our needs are taken care of. Most human beings eventually move out of egocentricity and they move into a stage called ethnocentricity. And in ethnocentricity, and ethnocentricity would have been the the median ground that all those around Jesus at this time would have held. And it's important to recognize that because when Jesus comes and what he teaches and what he stands for represents something beyond ethnocentricity. In ethnocentricity, what's most important is your loyalty to the tribe, whether that's your religious institution, whether that's your political party, your loyalty is with the tribe. You're also very much stuck in what's called binary thinking or dualistic thinking. It's either or, us versus them, good and bad. You're going to see that Jesus directly comes to squash that. Jesus, what he stands for, is an absolute questioning of the status quo, which is ethnocentricity. So in binary thinking, thinking either or, Um, Another thing that tends to find itself in this stage is what's called outer authority. That in ethnocentricity, each of us look to the authoritative voices inside our tribe, and those voices are always outside of us individually. Like Like it's not inside me, but rather it's my religious leaders. It's my, it's my political leaders. 
It is somebody outside of myself that I've placed faith in to have the answers for my life. Jesus also comes to call that into question. So to prepare the way, we have to first recognize that most of us as human beings are in ethnocentricity. Most of us have left egocentricity, but even some of us have not done that. Uh, If you can think about the person who uh, butts in front of the line and is always concerned about getting what they need to get first rather than ever thinking about somebody else, a lot of times those people tend to have a real strong foothold still in egocentricity. So the first thing was to prepare the way. Something must come before we can ever accept what Jesus is going to offer us. There's going to have to be some kind of fracture. Nobody leaves ethnocentricity without kicking and screaming. It's a stage of development that because we look around and all the rest of the world is generally there too, we feel like that's the place that means we've arrived at adulthood. And it's not. And so in order to be pulled into a deeper stage of development... We're going to require some kind of fracture to happen, and we'll talk about that as we go along in various episodes of the podcast. But that fracture will cause us to take some small step away from binary thinking, and we'll begin to see that there's a flaw in some of our uh, outer authorities, those authoritative voices that currently have hold in our life. And so if you belong to a certain church, you look to your religious leaders as like, yeah, they've got a hold of this. They're defining our religious dogma correctly. They have the answers or soon will. And you look at people outside your tribe, those other voices that claim to have authority. You look at them as either being uh, misinformed at best or at worst being deceived by the adversary or even being advocates for him. So besides prepare the way, John the Baptist also says that we need to hear the voice. When Jesus comes along, he is a new voice. We must be receptive to this new paradigm. We must give space for Jesus to represent something very different than the standard way that our institutions and even us individually do things currently. The third thing that John the Baptist says is that we need to clear the road. In other words, we must remove the things that stand in the way. Our brains are really resistant to questioning our sacred beliefs. Our brains are really good at preventing us from accepting new truth or even when the evidence is overwhelming of some new idea of being resistant to accepting that. There are mechanisms in our brain, such as the backfire effect, such as a confirmation bias, such as belief persistence. And, and these mechanisms inside our brain, we like to think that human beings are rational creatures, that we're logical, that we can make sense of things if we're just given the data. The reality is, and science has proven this out, the reality is that our brain, it when it finds a belief to make it comfortable and it's sacred to who we are, it's, it's um, important to our identity, which often our religious beliefs are, we rarely ever give space for something new. We rarely ever give space to consider another perspective. And if we're going to clear the road, as John the Baptist is calling us to do, we're going to have to get rid of 
As we go through this, you're going to sense this. We're going to have to get rid of some of the old things that we had. So that's Mark chapter 1, verse 3. I want to jump into Mark chapter 1, verse 4. Here's what it says. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. John the Baptist, we are told, came to prepare the way. He speaks of one who comes after, and he points to that one as bigger and more important. And yet, do we grasp the difficulty in leaving the previous voice? In other words, if you're a follower of John the Baptist, if if the biblical scholarship is right, that John the Baptist is the head of a religious group, that these followers look to him to be their leader, He sets up rituals such as baptism in order to enter his group. Do we recognize the difficult? It's it's one thing to be in 2018 to attend a church, to have that church preach the New Testament to you, and then to agree to join that group. It's another thing when you're a member of a group already. You're comfortable. You're a believer. And your leader is pointing to you that one is coming after him that is better, more important, more essential. Do we recognize the strength of character and courage it takes to walk away from the institution where we're comfortable to move on to something else because it's more important or essential? Do we grasp the difficulty in leaving that previous voice to move towards the one being pointed at. In other words, you have to see the bigger picture here. We each live our lives, and we're comfortable in those lives, and we hold a current paradigm, and it works for us. If a voice comes along and calls us to something bigger and better and more important, are we going to have the ability to move out of what's comfortable, what brings some level of peace to our lives, to move towards that other thing. As contrary to the social structure as John the Baptist was to the population generally, to his followers, he is the social structure. He is the Methodist church. He is the Baptist church. He is the evangelical congregation. When you are a follower of John the Baptist, you see yourself in your fellow followers of John as us, And those who disagree or criticize your group and your group's beliefs as them. Some outer authorities point to Christ in a healthy way. There are lots of religious institutions within Christianity. And and I'm not devaluing institutions outside of Christianity. But for the sake of this podcast, we're speaking about Christ. And so it's easier to frame things within Christianity. There are lots of healthy positive institutions within Christianity. There are also unhealthy, uh, high-demand fundamentalist religions, for instance, within Christianity as well. Some outer authorities, some leaders of some religious institutions, point to Christ in a healthy way. Some point to Christ in their rhetoric, but demand loyalty to the institution through a set of unhealthy mechanisms and are really unwilling to let you 
place Christ as your foundation. Like they use it in their rhetoric, but the reality is they want them as an institution as your foundation. To let go of John the Baptist, right? John is pointing to Christ. To let go of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist represents whatever institution you're currently a part of, whatever authoritative voices you currently look to for the answers. To let go of John the Baptist or any other outer authority even when that outer authority points to Christ, regardless of whether that pointing is healthy or not, is difficult. That prior authority gave us rules to guide our life. It gave us rituals to bind us as a community. To grow beyond that prior authority takes courage and strength. And to be honest, one is not ready until one reaches a certain maturity. In other words, fitting in And staying within the boundaries of a religious institution is often healthy and needed for a certain stage of our life. It's important at a certain space in our life to be rule-bound, to see consequences for rules and to know that there's laws and that all of us have to follow the laws and rules and policies and procedures all the time. And that when we fall short of that, there's a consequence. But at some point, we have to recognize that institutions are only speaking to the group generally, and they fall short with the specific instances of our lives. In other words, it is best to stay with John the Baptist until one is spiritually mature enough to go and dispose of all that one has, which is willing to question and even question everything to follow the Christ of faith. The followers of John the Baptist, they should stay with him until they feel spiritually pooled to then go follow the Christ of faith. John is always pointing to Jesus, but not all of us are ready to follow what Jesus stands for. Are you ready for this incredibly innovative paradigm? that walks you from egocentricity to cosmic centricity. Until next time, I'm your host, Bill Real. This is the Mythical Jesus Podcast, taking the Christ of faith seriously. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy, never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above praise the mount i'm fixed upon it mount of thy redeeming Safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger. 
interposed his precious blood.